0: This is The Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Wow, what a tremendous honor it is to be here tonight. Anybody hyped about being in the building for night one? Come on. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm Hispanic. And and, uh, you probably tell by the last name. And I don't do no quiet church. Hello. All right, I believe a quiet church is a dead church. All right? This side of the room got it. We're going to come back over here. I feel it brewing, but let me say it like this. I believe the word of God deserves a response. Right. You know, I, when I when I before I got saved and even after, I love to play basketball. I don't know if anybody loves the hoop in here. All two of us, that's great. And so I would go to this church that had a gym and they'd open it up right before their youth service uh to get all the students into the into the service. Well, I'm telling you on the uh, I would go and play basketball and I re- quickly realized something that I had the most crowd support when I played on my home court well I believe the Word of God should have home field advantage anytime time that it's open and we need to give it the most crowd support are you with me God will align and unpack and you put a pool on his word if you respond can you do that tonight awesome awesome well, I, uh, I recognize uh, some few... There's a few faces I'm like, hey, I know them, I know them, I know them. But I, I recognize I got a lot of new friends in the room, so let me tell you my story so you know where this crazy Mexican is coming from, okay? Uh, I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico, and you have heard of my city, but for all the wrong reasons, okay? Because you, oh, you only go there to visit family or to do something illegal. That's the only reason. No, I'm not lying. If you heard about all the cartel wars, all the drug trafficking... Okay, those are all my cousins. <laughs> so... Christmas. I'm not lying. My whole life felt like an episode of Narcos. You didn't know what was going to happen, right? And so by the age of 12, I found myself with a drug addiction, a lust problem, an anger issue. But as I said, I love to play basketball. I'd go to this church. They'd open up the gym right before the youth service, and then they'd start the service. Well, in that transition, I would dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor, he got involved in my life. And one day he came to me. He said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? Now, Honest to God, I had no idea what this was. Okay. And he said, Do you want to go to church camp? I said, there's are gonna be hot girls at this camp. There's gonna be fine women at the I was a six-year-old little pervert, okay? I had no idea what I was saying. And he said, he said, Well, we're gonna go for Jesus. I said, Fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm gonna get some phone numbers. <laughs> what I didn't realize though, church, is on the first night of that camp, I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called into ministry all in one night. Game-changing night. From that point forward, as Pastor uh, Matthew said, man, we've just been in this trend of watching God take what little yeses we've made and just begin to impact and increase and cause scope and scale to come on it from being missionaries in Sri Lanka. I don't know if that's Good to say in this room. Uh, uh, But I remember going from there to the youth ministry right here in Dallas, and we had a sweeping revival come through where we were meeting on uh, four nights of the week because we were just winning souls. And uh, all we knew to do was to win souls, make disciples, raise leaders, and release revivalists, and on repeat. We weren't cool, we weren't flat, we didn't have none of this. Our room was like Half the, as a church, our room was half the size of this. We ain't have all these lights. There's so many lights on me. I feel like a piece of chicken at Popeye's right now. There is so much going on. Uh, But I'm telling you, but we were watching God begin to put his hand on our life. And and from that point forward, we went and led out at Christ for the Nations. It was an extreme honor of my life to serve under that vision for a decade. And then really the last, really 14 years of my life, I've dedicated to raising and releasing this next wave of influencers, regardless of age, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of where you come from. I believe God is filling the earth with holy disruptions in every sphere of society. Come on, do I have faith for this in the room? I'm talking about in politics, in medicine, in business, in education, and obviously his incredible church. And so uh, I, there's no way I, we could ever, I could ever do this on my own. I married the right one for me. We just celebrated 19 years of marriage, y'all, 19. Come on, that's a miracle in my family. That's the fir- longest first marriage in my family, all right? I'm breaking records and curses out here, all right? And so, but we have four amazing kids And uh, as Pastor Matt said, I have my oldest son with me here. We have four amazing kids. My wife wants more. I don't. Pray for her. Not me. All right? Nothing broken over here. All right? But I honestly, I I have truly been looking forward to being here uh, for multiple reasons. One, I have been so deeply impacted by the times that we were at ICPF. Did I get that right? Because there's like five different orgs like that. Um, uh, And and I remember the move of the spirit in those settings. But when I knew that God was really, I, I don't like to go where I've been invited. I like to go where I feel sent and I truly felt like God has put a hand on me to be here tonight, and I feel sent. I feel like God's put a word in my spirit, and I wanna unleash this thing, but I wanna know there's hunger in the room. Come on, is there any hunger in this room? Is there any desperation in this room? Is there any longing in this room? I believe it. All right, do me a favor. Uh, turn on your Bible and go to Mark 14. Mark the 14th chapter. We're going to read out of the Passion Translation. I just feel like it captures. Before we start eating, I really want to put a blank canvas, if I can, on all of our hearts to give you some context. What we're reading is actually taking place at dinner. And Jesus is at the head of the table, which in the Jewish culture is literally the center of the table, so he could talk to the whole crowd around the table. And and there's two key figures that are actually mentioned in this text in this scripture uh uh, but there's a third who what i would say outside of jesus is the main character the worst into his life uh, left most likely is a man named lazarus now this is the lazarus that was raised from the dead all right this guy was dead for several days jesus didn't come when he does show up he commands to move the stone lazarus comes walking out with his grave clothes on anybody remember this Quick history lesson, right? And so, of course, when you were once dead and now you're alive, how many know people are going to want to know what that was like? I don't care. It might be TMZ. It might be mainstream media. It might be somebody, but they're going to ask, "Hey, what'd you see? What'd you smell? Where'd you go? Who'd you talk to?" They're going to ask some questions. Are you following me? So, no doubt, this side of the table is completely focused on Lazarus. Then you have this side and this side is most likely to the right would be an honored guest position or a host position. And this would be the man whose house this dinner is taking place in. And this is Simon the leper. He's called that because for many years he was plagued with leprosy. For those that don't know, leprosy is a flesh eating bacteria. It is literally decaying body. And so when your body is being a bombarded and assaulted with this kind of, at this time, unincurable disease, how many know when Jesus speaks a word and this man gets healed, and I'm talking about ligaments and muscle and even bone starts growing back, people are going to want to know what that's like. What, what is it like when you had leprosy? And how many fingers did you have before leprosy? How many do you have now that you don't have it? Did you get an extra one? People are going to ask, questions. It's okay to laugh in church, okay? Some of you are like, is that funny? It's funny. I'm going to tell you right now. It's funny, all right? And so I'm reading this, and most likely this side of the room is completely consumed with the life and story of Simon. But there is a third party that I believe is not even on the, well, for sure, is not on the invited list, didn't make the VIP list, barely an A-lister, B-lister. This right here is the main character of this text, and her name is Mary. And Mary breaks into this room and does something out of something called boldness. She has, she could care less who's, who's gonna say what to her what what religious protocol would be for the day no mary is about to put two hands on the steering wheel of this moment and drive it in to eternal perspective that you and I will constantly reference her actions and her heart in this moment out of one simple fact, the fact that she was bold. Come on, this isn't called timid conference. This isn't called intimidation conference. This isn't called hesitant conference. No, there is a mark on your life if you're in this room. I believe in themes, just like the Jews believe in banners, Israelites would believe in what God would say over the ear. That's why they would have sons of Issachar. That's why they would have prophets to talk about different years and different festivals. When you walked into this room, what you didn't realize is this night and every other session is going to come with a warning label that you can't help but drink from the wells of boldness tonight. Are you with me? And so I want to unleash this here. Mark chapter 14. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Don't judge me. Verse three. Now, Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon, a man Jesus had healed of leprosy. And as, he, as Jesus was reclining at the table, a woman, notice that right there, Mark is losing his mind. A woman, he's being very clear, a woman. It didn't say just somebody, he's like a woman. This guy's got issues, all right. A woman came into the house with an alabaster flask filled with the highest quality of fragrant and expensive oil. She came to Jesus, watch this, and with a gesture of extreme devotion, or in other words, boldness, she broke the flask and poured out the precious oil over his head. But some were highly indignant when they saw this and they complained to one another saying, what a total waste! This is this is called the spirit of stupid, all right? What a total waste! It could have been sold for a great sum of money, and or and the money could have benefited the poor. So they scolded, they criticized her harshly. Then Jesus said to them, "Leave her alone." Come on, how many you know when Jesus speaks, it's not a negotiation. You know, there is no rebuttal, there is no shutdown, there is no restriction, there is no muzzle, there is no argument, there is no diatribe that can come against what Jesus is saying. When he says, leave her alone, I believe these words are prophetic in nature for us tonight, because he's speaking to your marriage. Leave them alone. He's speaking to your kids across the hall. Leave them alone. Alone. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know that this word's coming on your heart. Leave her or him alone. He says, why are you so critical of this woman? She has honored me with this beautiful act of kindness. You will always have the poor whom you can help whenever you want, but you not always have me. What he's really saying here, let me put this in your world. He's saying there will never be another moment like this. He said that in all of eternity, there will only be one moment like this and she has captured it right this is what he says for continue when she poured the fragrant oil over me she was preparing my body in advance for my burial she has done all that she could to honor me i promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her man there is so much here and we're, We're going to taste it all, all right? But first, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for every man and woman under the sound of this word. I pray that you would minister to every heart. In fact, I speak to this atmosphere, and I say that you are full of faith, you are full of hope, you are full of peace, You're full of joy. I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment. I say is right now in Jesus name and I call every man and every woman into their season I call them into their rhythm I call them into strength I call them into boldness God I call them into dangerous I call them in to being weaponized I call them into being chiseled built sharpened and sent in the power of the Holy Spirit we pull them in to this moment to capture everything that you have set aside for us and we say God that you would break through the plastic and the shallow or the dry and the casual, and we would cling to you in a fresh way tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. I want to speak to you from this subject called built. I, I want to talk about built people. Now, I am not talking about big, jacked, cut people like me. I'm talking about people who have had their integrity tested. I'm talking about people who know how to pray through things. I'm not talking about talented people. I'm not talking about skilled people. I'm not not even talking about natural charismatic people. I'm talking about people who knows what it's like to pray through the midnight hour because you had no other choice. I'm talking about people who will believe for healing even when you yourself need to be healed. I might talk to anybody. I'm talking about built people who will sow a generous seed into this church simply because they know if this what I have in my hands does not meet my need, it's obviously my seed. Even though I'm in need, I'm still going to sow my Seat. Are you following me? I'm talking about people who don't, I'm talking about guys who are not knights in shining armor. Ladies, if you're single, you do not want a knight in shining armor. All right. Because that is a man who hasn't had his metal tested yet. Are you following me? You need a man who's walked with God, who has a limp, who's got some bruises and some scars where God has done surgery on his life and removed things and then added spiritual muscle and gains to his life. We need built people again. I remember one time I, uh, I, I, was, I was going to play disc golf. Actually, this was in Cedar Hill. I was going to play disc golf, and this is a poor man's golf, all right? Uh, uh, this, this is what happens when, when you're a missionary. You just play stuff, all right? And so uh, now, actually, I was playing real golf today. And so I remember um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you have to come down this one particular uh, 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 um, disc golf course, and you have to come down in the parking lot, and you have to come down this big hill right and you come this big hill and then you park at the bottom and so I get out I've had a long week at this point pretty stressful high demand and so I'm just looking to just kind of get my mind off and just focus on something I actually like doing and so I remember I'm walking over as I'm walking over I see a guy sitting on the cab of his truck and I said hey what's going on man and he said nothing I'm getting ready to watch my friend die (laughs) I'm thinking you're weird you're obviously single I'm gonna keep moving right so I I kept walking and, and all of a sudden I hear the roar of a skateboard coming down the hill. And I look and it's this friend who's coming down this hill and he is gonna attempt to come down the hill and pop over a six foot fence. So he comes down, he comes down halfway down the hill and he's got a good center of gravity. But once he hits that halfway point, all right, he starts getting the wobbly knees, just like this. I'm not twerking. This is really what he was doing, okay? For all you carnal Christians up in this. All right, so he, he coming like this, all right? And so he, he's moving like this. And of course, when he starts losing his center of gravity, he starts veering off course and he goes right. And I'm not lying. He goes ribs first, pow, into the back of a pickup truck bends the fender out straight like this and then bounces off the truck and lands on the other side of his ribs. Now I watch all this happen. I'm thinking, God, I'm off duty. You put me through a week, sir. And I can't handle all this trashy decision-making that I got to clean up everybody. I'm not, I'm not built for this. Right. But of course, I'm, I'm like, I better check if he's not dead, all right? So I walk over, and I can see the guy's got his shirt all up because of the way he landed, and I'm watching his ribs go black-blue. And I walk over, and, and I ask the world's dumbest question that you can ask when you walk up on somebody, because we don't know what else to say. Come on, can we collectively... I've shared this story around the world. I was in Australia two or three weeks ago, and they were like, yeah, we don't even know what to say, mate. We, we don't even know. So i like, i I'm sitting there and I walk up and I'm like, bro, are you okay? Which is the world that's called the spirit of stupid. Right? So he's like, ah, ah, ah. I said, bro, are you okay? And he's like, he's like, it hurts to breathe. And I'm like, yeah, because you just hit a truck with your ribs. You're not built to do that. Come on, I feel like sarcasm is a fruit of the spirit. I feel like Paul forgot to add it in there. If there was one thing he should have we're going to talk to him about it when we get up there, right? So so I, I, I'm, he's like, ah. I'm like, you're not built to do that. I remember one time I had a friend of mine. He, had a, he, he told me about the story of where all these Christian schools would come together, and they would compete on a college campus. And they would do everything from volleyball tournaments, basketball tournaments, I mean, even one-act plays. I mean, it was crazy, all right? All these schools would come from all over America, and they would compete on this college campus. And and um, he said there was. They would always do their best to keep the best schools out of the cafeteria at the same time, or otherwise it would just be a problem. Well, someone had an oversight, and the two largest schools end up at lunch at the same time. I mean, it just it didn't take any gasoline at all. This fire was already lit. All right, and so of course trash talking starts happening. People are going back and forth, and now the whole cafeteria is like going in. Everybody's fully invested in this, and now they're like, we're going to settle who the best school is, and. We're gonna, we're gonna have an arm wrestling contest. So this school over here, they get this big, jacked, cut dude like me, walks up to this table, I don't know why that's funny, and he gets up to this table and, and puts his arm out. Well, this school over here, they get a guy whose nickname is Steroid. Just let you fill in the blank why, all right? And so he comes over, and of course, they start getting ready. And I wonder if there's any 80s babies in the room that remember that Sylvester Stallone movie called Over the Top when he take a hat like that, all three of us. Okay, great. And so, like, I remember he being told they're like going, they start getting straight, and then they start, all right, go. And they start going back and forth, arm wrestling back and forth. And steroid feels like he's about to lose. So he's like, man, I got to give it one strong pump, and I'm going to take this guy out. So, what does he do? He sits there and he goes, real strong boom just like this well when he does that pow the bone in his arm comes shooting out the side of his arm it's all hanging there like this like a little kickstand on a scooter just like just like this of course everybody watching is like gotta go got everybody dips right well what happened is the demand from his exterior was too much for his interior and this is what will happen when you only drink from one well from one stream, from one place in the word, to all my demon folk who wanna make everything a demon when sometimes it's called character. To all my people who wanna talk about supernatural when sometimes what's supernatural is consistency. To all my people who wanna talk about growth when it's really not growth, it's called swelling because it's not sustainable. I'm, it's real quiet up in this church all of a sudden. I just stepped on everybody's toes. I'm Mexican, that's what we do. We're gonna, we're gonna get every one of them toes. I, I, I have watched too many people will go through storms, challenges, circumstances, issues, personal public, and it takes them out, and it's all because not from the outside of this world, not the natural, it's literally the inside that was deformed, that wasn't built properly, it had all the one-liners, it knew all the, the prayers to pray, it knew all the scriptures to read, but what it never did do was build something called a root system so deep that when you were being built, you didn't have to worry about the waves, and you didn't have to worry about the storms, come on, you didn't have to worry about the fight, you knew that God had. Had called you. His hand is never short. His arm, right? His arm is always strong. How I many know oh, his supply never runs dry. You knew because you had been built before. These are the type of people we need again. These are the type of people who notice like, and, and, and if we're going to be built, let me give you three things tonight. The first one is this. Number one, you're going to be built different. You were not built by the rest of the world and the things of this world. You're not built by social media feeds, headlines, newsreels, opinion polls, culture wars, fashion trends, icons. No, you are built in the place of prayer. You are built because you have let God chisel some things through his word and tattoo them on the inside of your spiritual man or woman. You are built by the place of extended fasting and calling yourself into it instead of waiting for your pastor to do it. I'm talking about expending more time in worship. I'm talking about dedicating heart space, mental space, getting away, taking vacation days, not so you can get some rest and go to Cancun for seven days. It's simply because you want God to do something different and you know that if he's gonna pull you you into something different, you gotta go from waiting from what's next to what's now. This is called being built, but built different. You're built different. You know, I I don't know about anybody else, but I like to smell good. I I like to smell good. I, I would rather, if I had a choice between smelling good and looking good, your boy's gonna smell good every time. I'll look a hot mess, but I'm gonna smell right. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I've been in student ministry for a long time. I've raised up, I have a college graduate in every nation of the world, all right? A lot of them around churches here in Dallas and beyond. I'm telling you, I have smelled things that weren't human. So I like things when smell good, all right? I like them to smell good. My son's the same way, all right? And so we believe in regular showers in our house, regular showers. And so I remember, I remember we are, I was going through the airport and and sometimes I buy cologne in the airport because you get a little, you know, discount on the taxes or whatever. And so I walk up to one of my favorite colognes and I notice that it's the same size bottle of the same designer brand. It's going to be the same smell, the same packaging. Watch this though, but one costs more than the other. I asked the person who was there, I said, hey, why does this one cost less and this one costs more? And she says, oh, That's because the way that it's made, the way that it's built. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, the one that doesn't cost you as much, you'll get the same size bottle, you'll get the same smell, it's gonna be the same brand, but it's built out of water, which means you will spray it on and you will have a strong smell at first, but then it will leave you in no time at all and you will go through the bottle faster because you decided to pay a lower price. This is when then she, I kid you not, these were her works. Then she said, but if you don't mind paying a higher price. Ooh, I don't know who I'm talking to. If you don't mind paying a higher price, you get the same size bottle, the same design or brand, the same smell, but this one that costs you more will outlast the one that did not cost you as much because what it's based out of and what it's built out of is oil." I don't know about anybody else, but I don't want a water-based life that just is here today and conference is done and Monday happens and I don't know what I'm walking away with. I want an oil-based life that when these words that you hear, these sessions that get into your spirit, that you remember them next month and next year, that they're journeying with you into your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, into your next season and God would call you to such a sacred place simply because he wants to build you different. I love this because you have Mary, the Bible says, she poured her highest quality and fragrant oil. She, she is not, this is not cheap oil. This is, this is not moderately priced oil. This is not seed oil for all the gluten fanatics in the room, all right? This is, this is not l- low grade oil. This quite possibly doesn't even just represent oil for you and I. What this is to Mary is fragrant, expensive oil to us on the page, but to her, it's plan B. To her, it's, well, if this following of Jesus doesn't work out, I can always sell this and recoup my life, and I can get back what I had lost. This This here is Mary, if you will, burning the bridges, burning the ships. This is Mary saying, how dare I come at him with some familiar, casual, some type of cheap worship and devotion. No, I'm gonna get radical. I'm gonna get wild. The Bible says, and with extreme devotion, Mary broke open this jar. And notice where she poured it. She didn't pour it on his feet. She didn't pour on his hands. No, baby, she poured it on his head, which is symbolic, prophetic symbolism that she is breaking it on the crown of Jesus. Friend, if you want your life broken anywhere on the person of Jesus is on his lordship. It's on his word. It's on, I'm talking about him being master, ruler, final decision maker of your life. This is what it means to be different. This was not just Mary breaking oil and creating a moment, hoping she ends up in the script so that way we can reference her our entire, no, this was devotion. This was boldness. She was built different. And I, I, I love this because if we're gonna be built different, number two, we're also gonna be built devoted. We gotta be built devoted. I I don't know about anybody else, but I feel like devotion is not proven when you're around. When people are devoted to you, it's proven when you're not around. If I could say it like this, I, I think devotion is proven when someone starts talking about you and you're not there yet, someone speaks up for you. Are you following me? There's something about having day ones, committed, devoted people. I'm telling you this, I'm speaking out of my own, my own immaturity where I spoke out of turn and someone put, put me in my place. Sir, I've heard when people have spoken up for me and people were trying to put a stain on my integrity and character, which there was no reason to do so. Are you following me? There is a level of devotion we have to call ourselves to now. I remember one time my, my devotion was tested. I was gonna go hunting with one of my best friends in the world. Now, this guy, his name is Jared, and, and Jared... Jared is a senior pastor of a great church in Wisconsin, really great church in Wisconsin, but Jared is barely saved. I'm telling you this, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm on his board. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, there's a chair in heaven and a chair in hell. Even Jesus himself is like, it's too close to call. I don't even know. Maybe we'll, fi- we'll sort it out when he gets up here. Like that's, that's Jared. All right, anytime I've almost been arrested on this side of the cross, like after I've gotten saved, it's been with Jared. I'm telling you, this is the truth, all right? And so Jared always has the wild stories. For I remember one time, Jared and I are, were going hunting and, and we're, I'm standing in line to pay for all these groceries that we're taking with us. And, and he taps my shoulder. And he's like, bro, we need to go get some sunflower seeds. I'm like, dope, go get some sunflower seeds. So he goes and he grabs some sunflower seeds. Well, this guy's like 30 yards away. And he decides the best thing, the best way to put this bag of sunflower seeds in the cart is not to walk it over, no, 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 no. That would be too simple for Jared. No, Jared's like, I'm gonna throw it. And he takes it and throws the bag like that. I mean, puts a lot of love behind this throw. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to answer every email so I'm not distracted when I see my trophy buck come through. All right, so I'm trying to answer everything. All of a sudden, I just see this white bag whoom, fly past my head And I'm telling you, it misses my card and it hits the largest woman I have ever seen in my life right in her backside. Boom, just like this. And I'm telling you, just like that. And she turns around, she goes, excuse me, who do you think you are touching all this good stuff right here? Have you lost your mind? I'm gonna help you find, girl. You better hold my purse. I'm about to mess this boy. I'm telling you, she's gonna fight me. I'm sitting there like this. (laughs) What do I see Jared doing? He is walking out the store like he doesn't even know me. Didn't come and clear anything up. My devotion was tested. I, I, I feel like there's many times where devotion is gonna be tested in circumstances you don't expect it. It's gonna be tested on the places in your calendar you didn't have room for it. When he highlights someone to you in the mall, and all of a sudden you know that you're drawn to an encounter, but yet you got to get to the meeting. And God's saying, But I have an encounter here. I know what your calendar says. I know that you've got be punctual and do things with excellence, but could I ruin you a little bit today? And could I pull you in to some awkward space so that I could put you in positions that'll grow you? Because if you get too familiar in this life where everything is so sorted and so scheduled and so aligned, then you will only be able to work when all of that is going on. Let me put it to you like this. I think some of us were too addicted to being ready. I, 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 I think we, we're too addicted to the training. We want more training. I can't tell you how many students I'd be like, I am not letting you back in back into Christ for the nations. They're like, why? You need to go do something. You've been here three years. I, I, and they're like, well, well, I just feel like God has more for me. He don't, he don't. Well, I wanna be in the river. I'm like, no, you need to swim to a bank because you're weird. And if you stay in this environment for, hear me, if you stay in casual, passive comfortable too long your devotion begins to wane you'll be devoted to routines not him yeah. amen pastor chris that's pretty good that's true that's true I, I there's there's a lot to say to extreme like mary models extreme devotion i mean all, all of us, we, we just want to be ready all the time we're it's like we've been westernized in every spiritual aspect of our life. We wanna be ready. We gotta be ready. We gotta got have all the money first. <laughs> that'll never happen. I'm just telling you right now, it's not gonna happen. We gotta got have all, all the relationships in line. Nope, that'll never happen. We gotta have the calendar. We gotta get the dates right. God's not gonna move unless we plan conference on October 27th, 28th, and 29th. That will never happen. This is not full of, be- this book is not full of people that had a plan. Have you read this thing? Have you really, have you read this thing? Hey, hey, Noah, hey, go build a boat where there's no water. Trust me, just trust me, right? Hey, David, go kill a giant with no armor. Moses, talk to the rock, just talk to it. Talk to the rock and water gonna come out the rock. Rose sitting there like, huh? I'm so glad he picked the untrained the uneducated. I'm, I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with the training. But eventually, if you train too long, you get too addicted to it. And then you want the safety and the comfort of the training. I'm t- listen, what do I know? I've only raised up college graduates for the last 14 years. I don't know. In fact, I started leading the college I never graduated from. You figure that out. I never graduated. I went one year and then they hired me to come lead it. I, I'm, I'm not even that smart. Ask my son. <laughs> I'm like, they're look. my kids look at me like, you're just crazy. That's the anointing on your life. You're just wild. You'll say yes to anything. I'm like, yeah, what are we doing? What are we popping into right now? What's popping off? Right? That's what we're doing. All right? That's called devotion. And this world will never understand it. They'll call us fanatics, but what it really is is faithfulness. They'll call us radicals when really what it really is is bold devotion. You're built devoted. This is what I love. Jesus is reclining at the table. So this, if you're reclining, it would be uh, uh, out of custom for, for Jewish men to be reclining before they ate. So this is obviously after the meal. All right. He's reclining. He's relaxing. People are doing the same thing. Jesus is reclining at the table, which tells me Mary knew when to come. She didn't come before the meal. Come on, get in between a man and his meal. That's, she had enough in her radar to know that's not the anointing. That's not, what did she do? She waited till he was done. She storms this room. Boom, kicks the door off the hinges, all right? And could care less about who's in this room and what people are gonna say. Because man, she busts off, everybody knows what she's got on. She has in her hand. She has a expensive and fragrant jar of oil, And people are like, what's she doing with that? What's she doing with that? That's like walking in with like a gold bar or a stack of hundreds and you're gonna go over to Jesus. Are you following? In her day, that's what this is, all right? She takes the most prized possession of her life outside of her own soul. And she dedicates this thing to being poured out on Jesus's throne, his lordship, his head. And this right here, this is where everybody starts losing their mind. What, what are you doing? What a total waste. What a, what a total waste. This is where everybody, and, and then they come up with spiritual reasons why it's a waste. We could have sold it. And we could have given the money to the poor. It is real quiet up in this room. Y'all making me nervous. They're like, what a waste. What a What a total waste. Waste, I'll tell you what a waste is. A waste is churches with no souls saved in them. That's a waste. I'll tell you a waste. Waste is success that costs you your integrity. That's a waste. Are you following me? And, and this world, again, they will never understand. Even the, And this isn't coming from lost, broken, worldly people. This is coming from the religious elite, the spiritual bougie. The next level of the day. This is Jesus' own disciples and they are misreading this moment. What a total waste. You wanna know why? Because they have not learned to value what he values. This isn't waste. This is worship. This isn't waste. This is warring. This is not waste. This is winning. Are you following me? This isn't waste. It's never a wa- Can I tell you time spent in prayer is never time wasted. Time spent at church conferences. I've never met anybody who came to church and was like, ah, 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 it was mid, ah, vanilla, just like last week. No, 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 I've met religious people like that. And then these are the same people who throw out religious reasons why you cannot do everything that God wants you to do with your boldness. I I remember we had teams who would go out and minister out of extreme devotion. We would call them fire teams. I I might share more about this tomorrow. And these fire teams, we basically ask the Lord for words of knowledge, and then we would uh, he would give us a, 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 a location, what people were wearing, what their names were, what they needed to pray for. I don't know if you've heard of Treasure Hunts. We just renamed it with a better name. And so, uh, I've told Kevin Deadman that, who created, wrote the book, all right? So, so, we call them fire teams. And so, I remember um, we would go out all the time, and one time, one of my teams in our youth ministry was led to a, a tattoo shop, a tattoo shop, all right? And... They went in there, and I'm telling you, the Spirit of God fell. People getting stuff on their bodies, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God's falling on both the people getting their, their tats and the, the tattoo artists. I mean, it was a move of God. Well, we, were, we would always do testimonies on our uh, Sunday morning services. We, we always took in prayer requests, but we never say, let's pray for this person and let's pray for this, because we never want to champion what the devil was doing. We always championed what God was doing with testimonies, right? And so... We went after these testimonies and one of the kids is sharing about how they went into a, um, a tattoo shop and how God moved. And there was a few people from the shop that were there uh, and, and it was powerful. Well, then one of the, one, one of the uh, religious came up to me and they were like, um, uh, Pastor Chris, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, what's going on? And they said, uh, listen, you probably should have those students do a detox fast. I said, uh-huh, a uh-huh. what? She she said honestly she was genuine about it. Plus, they need to do a detoxed fast. I'm like, what is that? She's like, well, you know, if you go into those places, something might get on you. <laughs> and I laughed. that's exactly why I went, <clears throat> and oh, you're serious? Okay, yeah. She's like, no, something might get on you. I'm like, well, that's funny because I know people who sit in our, our two hour church services and nothing gets on them. <laughs> what a waste. You can come up with all your religious reasons why you think I'm crazy, but I'm looking at lives that have fruit in this room. That when you stepped outside of your normal and you got radical, whether it was in demonstrating supernatural power, whether it was serving uh, uh, when you didn't need to, when you were generous beyond, like the Bible says, above and beyond your ability, uh, uh, when, when you got so full of the spirit of God that you would go sit in a morgue and pray for everything to rise from the dead. I'm telling you, that's extreme devotion. That's boldness. Come on, am I talking to the right church tonight? Right, this is interesting. They're like, it's a total waste. Here's the last thing tonight, number three. Number one, you're built different. Number two, you're built devoted. Number three, you're built dangerous. You know, I think one of the things that, that, uh, I want to be very diligent here. One of the things I think that needs to be modeled out of everyone no matter what position you hold in the church needs to be how dangerous are you I'm not talking about dangerous to church services. my gosh, this is easy. this is easy like the oddest I mean we got all the lights I already told you we, we got we got a bigger screen in this, this building is deceptively big. I just walked in and just kept going. I'm walking in the rooms. I'm like, dude, they got 2,000 kids in this room. And I mean, I'm walking everywhere, right? Like I, I mean, we got all the smoke with the fake Shekinah. I mean, we got it all in this room. We got everything. All right. Like it's here. I'm telling you it's here. But the truth is, if you need all of this to be dangerous, it's not real. Because I need you to prophesy in Walmart like you do here. If you're going to be bold, let's, let's take some places in the mall. You know, I can't hardly go to a mall in the DFW Metroplex where I haven't seen a miracle take place. I can't, it, it, definitely North Park. I can't tell you how many times I've watched God do so many great things at North Park. Only, I'm, I got stories for days. I got, I got, people got mad at me for sharing stories. Can you believe that? They were like, Pastor Chris, you share too many stories. I'm like, what? They're, and then they, then they said, less funny, more word. Less stories, more word. I'm like, have you read this? <laughs> all Jesus, all this man did was tell stories. That's all I did. People come up with life's questions. I mean, deep, felt questions. What does it mean? How do I? Where is the kingdom? Where do I look? And Jesus wouldn't respond with answers. He'd just go, there was a certain man. There was a certain widow. There's a certain field, there's a certain house, there's a certain fish, there's a certain coin. There, he, all this man did was tell stories. I, I, I want to talk to you about being dangerous. I, I, I feel like I've been preaching all night just to get here. I, I, I want to weaponize you so that you would not just be a form of evangelism, you would be an evangelist like Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Some of you are like, well, I, 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 I'm not an evangelist. That's not the call of my life. Neither was Timothy. Timothy was an apostle. And Jesus is over here, or, and Paul's over here telling him, I know you're an apostle, but you need to do this kind of work right now. I, I'm telling you, there is such a great harvest that's happening in the earth. And I honestly think it's not just the one-on-ones. It's not just the coworkers and the families and your crazy uncle. It's not just any of that. I truly believe that God is uniting his church because a united church is an unstoppable church. And you're gonna start to link arms with other movements and other visions around this area and you're gonna take ground unlike anything else. Let, let, maybe I should share a little bit about what we do. Maybe, uh, we try to work in shadows a lot. But uh, I, I, I help carry a vision called Love Has No Limits. Uh, and our vision is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations. And historically, we've had more of a traditional footprint internationally where we would mass mobilize armies of missionaries to go into nations and do targeted, intelligent, solution-driven outreaches. And so our last scaled moment was actually in Peru where we brought 10,000 missionaries from 43 different nations, 150 plus organizations represented to pound ground in the nation of Peru. I wish I had time to tell you about the 3,000 high schools we went into in five days or the 47 citywide water wells we dug, not village, Citywide water wells we dug in seven days, or even just what we did with sports clinics. We did fourteen medical clinics in twelve different cities and soccer stadiums with a thousand medical professionals. Uh, I mean, we had everything from firefighters for Christ training to educating forums, po- uh, political leaders advances. We had spiritual leaders advance. Just the one in Lima had twenty-one thousand senior pastors at it. I mean, we were making an all play on the nation and in seven days, after, and after seven days of that kind of outreach, we culminated in the ten stadiums on the same night at the same time without advertising one name one, we always say it's not about a man or a band, it's about a a mandate and a mantle. I'm not here to platform a messenger, I'm here to platform a message I'm not here to platform a personality I'm here to platform the purpose of this moment. Are you following me? Is this making sense? I I believe it's time to lay down our labels, our logos and our egos. And Jesus has no problem filling up these stadiums. We filled up every single one and in seven days we saw 1.1 million people give their lives to Jesus and still be found in a local church four weeks later. Now, why would that happen? Because that is when you get dangerous. Now, I I remember we had just gone off a zoom call with the vice president of Ecuador and he was extending the official invite for us to come and do this in his nation. And, and, and we were extremely humbled by it. And, and we shut down the zoom and I'll never forget the spirit of God fell on us. And God said, you are not going to Ecuador. We said, okay, Lord, what's going on? He said, I'm reassigning this vision. We said, where? He said, I want to make an aggressive move on America. This was at the end of 2018. And we said, okay, Lord, where do you want to start? He said, Los Angeles. We said, surely you mean Dallas. You meant Tulsa, you know, somewhere Birmingham, somewhere in the South, you know, where they're Bible friendly, not, you know, ministry saturated, not hostile to the things of God. And he said, no, I want to start in LA because if it works in Los Angeles, it'll work anywhere. And so we said, okay, Lord. We said, we're going to draft behind you here. How many know when the Lord speaks in spirit, you don't respond in logic? Let me just help you out. Ask Zachariah. God shows up to Zachariah. Zachariah, you're going to have a baby. You and Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. And he's like, nah, fam. She old. She old. Super old. Really old. Old, old, old. Stinky old. Old. And God, you know what? He's like, you're going to have a baby. No, she's old. You know what God said? Shut up. Literally, he muted them. Read your Bible. He muted them. He couldn't talk. Why? Because when God speaks in spirit, how dare we respond in logic? And so um, I remember, <laughs> I remember we're like, okay, let's honor what God said in spirit. Let's set a date. All right. It's at this time it's like October 2018 or something like that. We said, okay, let's do this July 2020. <laughs> we'll just say that date one more time, just in case some of you <laughs> missed it. July 2020. Of course, we all know about March of 2020, everything went to a bucket of suck, and now we've got chaos wrapped itself around the globe, and we don't know what to do with all these conflicts and all the division and all hate dominating the headlines. I mean, it was wild. So we're sitting in like April of 2020. We're thinking, man, should we postpone? Should we cancel? Should we reschedule? And God interrupted our thoughts, and he said, no. Nope. He said, you are not allowed to release a budgeted version of my heart you were only allowed to release the full version of my heart. We said, okay, Lord. We said, what are you doing here? He said, start by assembling the church. So we did that. In LA, we were able to gather 641 senior pastors in a hotel ballroom in downtown LA and shared our heart, our history, and a little bit of the vision that we had. And they all said, unanimously said, this isn't something you should do. You have to do this and you have to do this now. So we said, okay, Lord, we got this momentum. What do we do? You know what he said? He said, I want you to pay off medical debt. And, and I'm telling you, these, we're like, Lord, this is uncharted territory. This is unfamiliar ground. Tell us what to do. He says, start by eliminating medical debt. I'm making a long story short. In 12 months, we watched God dissolve $47 million worth of medical debt for 23,000 families below the poverty line. It was unheard of. It moved the church, and everybody who got their medical debt erased, got letters in the mail, say, hey, your medical debt's been dissolved, no strings attached, and if you need anything, contact Commission Church and Pastor Matthew, who's only 3.8 miles down the road, because we geotagged them within a five-mile radius of a participating church in Love Has No Limits. Again, we are here to platform the local church, not ask the local church platform us. So then the Lord said, go after foster care. Man, the... the We started generating thousands of leads into the foster care system, which is a huge miracle. There's a lot of breakthroughs there. I'm giving you the 30,000 foot views. Everybody who's led at this scale understands there's thousands of miracles that undergird this main thing, right? Then he said, go into prisons. We planted a church in all 35 state penitentiaries that still to this day, two and a half years later, is still going on. And we have 100 inmates in every one of these that's now a campus to a local church because we said when a convict becomes a convert, they have a community to continue to establish covenant with God both in and outside the prison. And we can break the generational curse of repeat offending. Sounds like a solid plan. That's called being dangerous, right? Then we went and God said, America needs its families back. In order for us to get our families back, we have to get our fathers back. And if we're gonna get our fathers back, we have got to call them into authentic manhood and fatherhood. And so we hosted a massive gathering with the blessing of the governor in California. I don't know if COVID happened in Texas. It definitely happened in California because our governors were polar opposites on how to handle both of that, right? And so. I remember we're sitting out there, and we had over. I don't know if that offends anybody, but you, you can send it to I Don't Care at chrisestrada.tv because I lived it. All right, and so I remember I'm over here, and I'm watching God open up a stadium to us with the governor, with the senators blessing every one of them, and we were between the in-person and online audience. We had a hundred thousand men complete a 30 day journey on the Bible app through called brave co where we help build this and hundred thousand men completed it, walking them into authentic manhood and fatherhood. I'm telling you there's so this is in between 33 million pounds of food being shipped in every weekend. This is also being distributed in between $10 million worth of GIK. This is your beds, your dressers, your fridges, your home goods, all of this. This is medical clinics and brigades being popped up everywhere. And I'm not talking about just COVID test places. I'm talking about people who needed Medicare or needed medicine. And the church was stepping up and facilitating and underwriting all of this. We are watching God do a miracle. This is called being dangerous. And then it came time for the stadium moment. And and, uh, it was unreal. Talk about being bold. We were like, okay, Lord, it's 48 days away. Well, we get a call from the Memorial Coliseum. This is the iconic Olympic stadium. And, and they said, um, listen, love has no limits. We're sorry, but we have to dissolve your contract. We're like, why? They said, well, there's a neighboring stadium. It's literally across the street. And they said, well, that stadium inked their, inked their contract before you did, we did with you. And, and we can't have two mass gatherings at the same time because the infrastructure will collapse. The, the traffic will be a nightmare back up in the city. So now we've been casting a stadium moment with this vision and now we have no stadium. Four hours later, we get a call from SoFi Stadium. This is the new Rams Chargers Stadium. This is a $5 billion stadium. This thing is built for the gospel. This is my stadium. I call it mine. This is my stadium. Right. And so I we, they called us and said, we've been watching everything you're doing. And they walked us from medical debt, foster care, food distribution, GIK, prisons, men's got, they they said, we love everything you're doing. And we want our name attached to this. Do you want to host your event in our stadium? And we said, well, you know, your budget's like here and we're a missions org. Ours is like down here. And, and you said we were third in line. We had third right of refusal. And they said, um, they said, no problem. We're going to meet you where you're at on your budget. And we're going to call the first two people. So the first person they call, hey, Taylor Swift, here's what's going on July. And they walk Taylor and her team to, through the whole vision. Taylor, would you move your date? She says, absolutely. I'll move my date. And Taylor moves her date. I became an instant Swifty right there. I don't even, I've i never heard her music. My son told me I did I, I wouldn't know it, but T's amazing to me, right? Next person they call, hey, Kenny Chesney, here's what's going on. They walk Kenny and his team through the whole vision. Kenny, will you move your date? He's absolutely, Kenny moves his date. Then they call us, hey, love has no limits. Do you want SoFi Stadium? And we were like, yes, 100%, absolutely. That's how we got the stadium. That's called being dangerous. Then they, we get a call the next day from some guys. They, they co-founded a small music festival you might've heard of called Coachella. And they, they called us and said, hey, we love what you're doing. We've watched everything, same thing that SoFi did. We want our name attached to this. They said, can we run all your audio, visual, lighting, and streaming capacity for you? And we were like, okay, 100%. Absolutely, right? Then they said, well, who's the lineup? And we're like, we're really posturing a lot of great conversation right now, and we'll be able to get that list to you shortly. That's code for, come on, all the church people in the room know, that's code for we're praying, and we don't know. But you can't say that in corporate America, right? So they said, well, you have 30 days. If you don't get us this list in 30 days... We're gonna have to pull out because of all our deadlines can't be met. We said, no problem. Two weeks later, these guys called us in a panic. They're like, listen, who's the lineup? And we were like, listen, we've really positioned a lot of great people and we're gonna feed this list to you shortly. That's code four. We're praying and fasting now and we don't know. Listen, this is Los Angeles, all right? I can go get the top worship leaders and the top Christian artists, but the only people that show up to that are Christians. And the truth is, I'm not going to spend all of this effort and the church's uh, manpower so that we could pull people who are already in love with Jesus, fill a stadium, take pictures of ourselves, feel good about ourselves. And we did absolutely nothing. We thought, okay, let's get radical with this vision. We said, who, who's a tier one influencer, a global icon? That's a Christian. How <laughs> I many you know, that's a short list. And then we said, and who's that and not afraid to share their faith? Now we're crossing names off this short list. And then we said, who will do it? That has the availability to do with us. Well, that could only be any, many, miney, Justin Bieber. So we said, okay, God, 30 days comes up. These guys from Coachella called us. And they're like, okay, who's the lineup? We said, look, we recognize that our history in the nations has probably taught us to have a higher risk tolerance, perhaps people in your industry. That's us saying you're a sissy and we have faith. So we said, uh, we said, but we said, we've learned the miracle of giving God one more day. Just like Esther, can I have one more day? One more day. And they said, we'll stand with you. These are Jewish guys. So they're like, we'll stand with you one more day. Man, we went to bed. I'm telling you, I didn't sleep at all that night. I'm telling, I was praying in the fetal position with a paper bag in tongues. I'm, I'm like, I'm going after God. Like, because we have put ourselves in such a position where we need to be built. And I need to be built different now. And I need to be built devoted. And now, this 24 hours is gonna make us dangerous. The next morning, I kid you not, just before 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we get an anonymous FaceTime, and it's Justin Bieber. And he calls us and says, I've heard everything you're doing, I've watched it all. And he walked us through it, the medical debt, the foster care, the prisons, the men's. He said, I've watched all of it. And he said, and God spoke to me. And he told me that I'm supposed to stand with the Church of Los Angeles and I'm supposed to use my influence across social media industry to pull people who would never darken the door of a local church, but would step foot in a stadium if I gathered some people together and these would be the right people that we would introduce them to the story of Jesus and they could make an eternal decision and begin the same journey that I've began. He said, can I serve your vision? Number one, can I serve your vision? Number two, if you don't have your lineup, can I help you build your lineup? And we were like, listen, JB, anytime your friends want to be our friends, like we Gucci with that. We so good with that. And sure enough, he gets on another phone and he starts going, hey, Chance the Rapper, here's what's going on. Hey, Tori Kelly. Hey, Jaden Smith. Hey, I'm missing people. I know, I'm looking at my son. Uh, and I mean, and we had everybody from, what's the guy from Maverick? What's, what's that guy's name? Chandler, thank you. Chandler Moore. Um, Carrie jo- we had all these people coming together to co-artist this amazing night and tailor it, completely tailored to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I mean, you know, when you start pulling in this kind of lineup, you're not gonna just pull nominal people. You, I mean, we had Connor McGregor and his family on the front row. We had all the Kardashians. We had the Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers. We had the 32 out of 34 mayors. We had the top 200, 200- who are the people I always forget? The top 200 social the Demilios, the Demilios, the, 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 the brand. We had all of these people in the room. And when the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached, you talk about dangerous ground. There wasn't a devil in that stadium. There wasn't any type of darkness in that stadium. I am watching tears come down the faces of people you would never expect it. I'm talking about the Jewish elite who lead all the production houses like Warner Brothers University, people whose music you've probably heard or listened to. I mean, there is, this is wild to see. And then people who would never step foot in a great church like this, but they would get off their phone out of their home and come into this moment where they knew it was blatantly going to be a gospel-centered night. And I'm watching as we give the altar call what happened both in in person and online. Half a billion people watched that one night and were touched by the spirit of Almighty God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why I'm saying this to you. I'm not saying because, oh, I made it. I'm saying, God, make us dangerous again and make that small. We just finished our assignment in Houston. We mobilized 20,000 missionaries in LA. We did 50,000 in Houston in April of this year. We're now calibrated for Miami and South Florida. We'll do 100,000 there. I mean, it is wild what God is doing. And someone would probably say, what a waste. What a waste. Can I tell you something? This church conference ain't a waste. You being here tonight is not a waste. I'm going to close this out here because I don't want to kill us on the first night. You know we've got a lot more conference to go through and it's 9 p.m. and we've got an after party to get to. Um, what's so moving to me when, when God says, when in this passage, talking about being built dangerous, it says she broke her alabaster jar full of, watch this, fragrant and expensive oil. And then watch this, Notice where she does the breaking. If I could say it like this, and you can write this down, the breaking always brings a bringing. Anytime something broke in Scripture, it was immediately replaced. It invited a bringing. The breaking invites a bringing. Notice where the breaking happens. The breaking doesn't just happen on his crown. Notice the location. The location is in the home of Simon the leper. Now this man has had leprosy for years. Come on church, for years. No doubt when you have decaying, rotting flesh, that stench is layered everywhere in this house. He wasn't shipped off to a leper colony because he probably owned this house. So he could just stay there. In Jewish law, you could stay there. But if you did not own your own home, You had to go live in a leper colony where you were separated from your family and friends and you basically rotted. This guy was rotting around everybody. And no doubt, the rotting flesh, it literally was layered everywhere, on the drapes, on the walls, on the furniture. It smelt like death until a Mary showed up. She breaks this jar open and she dumps expensive and help me out, fragrant oil. The Bible goes through great detail in every translation, by the way, to share that this wasn't just expensive, it was fragrant. Every translation, fragrant, fragrant. It smelled good, All right? It was fragrant. Why is this so important? Because what once smelled like death, when it got on Jesus, it smelled like life. And she changed the climate of a room. She changed the atmosphere. And notice what Jesus says in, in what he says about what she did. She has done this not to end up in scripture, not to get highlighted. Are you following? She has done this to prepare my body in advance for my burial, which means that Jesus smelled like this because days later he would be arrested and he still smelt like this. And then he was given two mistrials, if you will, and he still smelt like this. And then he was told by his own people, let his blood be upon our head and our children's head. And he still smelt like this. When he was beaten 39 times with the cat of nine tails, he didn't smell like blood or smell like bodily fluid. He smelt like this. When he carried the cross, up the hill, he didn't smell like wood, he smelled like this. When he hung on the cross, your cross and my cross, he smelled like this. When he was buried, he still smelled like this. And when he told that stone to get out the way and he took off the grave clothes, baby, he smelled like this. You know you smelt good because he took the clothes off and folded them and laid them at the head of the table. Come on, mama raised you right. If you fold in your clothes... And you leave him at the head. And when he showed up, he smelled like this. Why? Because he was built dangerous. And that same anointing is in this church. I'm not here to just say, oh, I've been in so many different places and validate the saying. I'm here to tell you, this is different. I've leaned over to your pastor. Like, I ain't never been in a context like this. I've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of people, you know, and I'm like, this is special. This is unique. This is sacred here. This is unlike anything else. And I really feel what God is doing is he's releasing fresh wind, fresh aroma, the fresh fragrance of life, soul winning, signs, wonders, healings, and miracles. It's going to come on your life. I'll I'll make this commitment. Tomorrow I will teach you how to do it. Very simple. I will teach you how to do fire teams and you're going to go win souls and you're going to create all kinds of problems because I don't know how many people see in here without these. uh, In here, it's probably like 200 uh, um, without the fire marshal knowing. But like, I only know that because legally I had to do it. Um, Dang, that's recorded. So I, 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 I... Oh, okay, thank God. Well, if you're in here, all right. I'm just saying like holler at your boy (laughs) and it wasn't in the city. So don't write me no ticket. So, but I really feel, man, I feel like there's such a drawing that's coming. I'm telling you. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.